Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner podcast. I have Anna D. SLP on the podcast this week. Welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. And you can you can just call me Anna. I just love calling you Anna D. SLP. <laughs> I just love it. And every time I write a note, like um, for the podcast, I write A D S L P. <laughs> ADSLP every time you're Anna DSLP to me, but, um, you're, so it's actually Anna Dalziel, Dalziel, right? Dalziel. It's actually a spondy. That's what I tell people who are SLPs. Like there's equal stress on both, but we get, I get called Dalziel all the time. Okay. I messed that one up. Um, (laughs) okay. Well, I'm really excited. Anna, we were talking about it and she's been on, this is her third time. We talked about pre-verbal skills. We talked about, um, play-based therapy and symbolic play and all of there's we talked about like so many topics in that one podcast that first time I'm going to link it in the description we've also talked about um time management because I anyone who is familiar with Anna's Instagram page or Anna um as a person probably knows that she gets a lot done in her days probably it's like are your days longer than ours I don't understand how you're getting so much done um so we have time management yeah that's a- <laughs> So it's time management. Um, yeah, I still use some of the tips that from that podcast. So that'll be in the description of this too. But today I am going to um, be asking Anna some questions on play-based therapy, the benefits, the myths, some tips. Um, and we're really excited because when this comes out, it's coming in on Monday. And do you want to tell everyone what's coming out on Tuesday, the next day after this podcast? <laughs> yes, our second launch of the Ultimate Play-Based Speech Therapy course, which is incredibly, incredibly exciting. So we are looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm so excited for that to launch. I think that it's so unique and all of the reviews I've heard about it and seen about it just is like, oh. <laughs> it actually really, yeah, like it really blows um, so it's myself and another SLP, Kirsten Singer, we're both Canadian SLPs, and it really does blow our mind and it's very heartwarming. I don't know what other word to use. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback and um, support. I think what makes the course different is that, you know, when you take a lot of professional development courses, they're very focused on the research and there's a lot of the why, but there's not a lot of the how. And our course is all how. It's all practical, nitty gritty, hands-on things you're going to use tomorrow. So I think that that's what makes it a little bit different. And people have really enjoyed that. That's like, oh, I actually left with like tons and tons and tons of ideas of things that are doable too, you know, because mm-hmm. some, sometimes you, I don't know, I've taken PD courses where I'm like, yeah, but I don't, I don't see kids five times a week, or I don't have access to this thousand dollar program or whatever it, whatever. Yeah. It yeah, yeah sorry. we're really excited about it opening again. Yeah, no, no, no. That sounds really great. Um, we're gonna, I want to definitely dive into that and talk more about that because I think that's really exciting. And it's so nice to have something practical. Like, oh my God, we've had enough theory in grad school. Like, give me the tips and the practical strategies. <laughs> and I think that that's kind of, it's almost like a bridge. <laughs> like I would have loved to have a course like this between um, like courses and practicum right? Something to kind of just take all that theory that you've learned and put it into practice in a way that saves you, really saves you time and money and allows you to provide evidence-based practice. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, just to just kind of like start off, um, let's just define like what is play-based therapy 
you probably get that question a lot. Um, what What's your answer to that question? How do you explain it to people? What would you say play-based therapy is? So I kind of have my own definition of play-based therapy because I think a lot of people, when they hear play-based therapy, they think about toddlers, early intervention, uh, those early language stimulating strategies, where to me, play-based therapy is anything where the targets are naturally embedded into the activity. So it's not discrete trial training. It's not like say a word, take a turn. It's the words are embedded. The targets are, the language targets are embedded so that speech therapy is meaningful and motivating to the child. So every, so you're pretty much working on generalization from day one. And I mean, I don't have a research article to quote, but from my own practice, kids learn faster because it's already being taught in a generalized way. It's being taught with different um, activities. Maybe it's games, books, toys. So they're learning it. In, and then within activities that they're doing at home or they're doing at school so that their brains are kind of activated. Like, hey, last time I played Play-Doh, I practiced my S-blend squeeze, stop, start. Let's just say that's what they were working on. And it kind of triggers them again. So um, yeah, so that's what play-based therapies to me is just when the targets are naturally embedded into the activity. We already mentioned one of the benefits, generalization. Um, can you touch on some more benefits of it? Mm -hmm. Kids are really motivated because kids are designed to play. And I think that we forget that even kids that are a little bit older, so I'm taking like 10, 11, still want to play. Play might look different but they're still motivated by that. Even adults play games as they get together, right? So it's a very motivating activity. I personally very rarely have behaviors in my therapy sessions because the kids are, in, I'm following their lead. I'm doing what they're interested in. Um, they know kind of what the expectations are. So that's obviously a benefit. And then also it is um, really easy for parents. If, so for me, because I'm in private practice, parents are always in my sessions. So it's really easy to explain to parents what we're doing, why we're doing it. And then parents can kind of carry it over in similar activities, right? So for example, today in my session, we were working, I was, we're seeing a little girl with apraxia and she's working on some grammar skills and also speech sounds. And it was a really simple strategy. We we're just using a book to talk about what everybody was doing on the pages. So right in there, her, she was, one of her words was she. So we talked about pointing out girls. So she is running, she is walking, she walked. And then we talked about verb tenses, such an easy and playful activity. And then we did other things with the book, but such an easy thing for parents to be like, oh, all she's doing, well, all she's doing, quote unquote, is picking up a book and talking about the pictures and working on verb vocabulary, grammar, and speech sound production, right? So as opposed to like, here is this perfect worksheet that I have that I had to cut laminate and it's perfect and it's exactly this. And then you're going to say like parents are like, whoa, you know, it's hard for them to find where it's like, oh, I can just pick up any book. It's just so the general, so carry over at home is another um, benefit. Oh, I could go on and on. So I'm going to keep going. Do you yeah. have a question? Already when you're talking about motivation, I was thinking of one of my profs in grad school. She would always say, if the child isn't smiling, you're starting at the wrong level and it's not going to be productive. And I think about that a lot when we're thinking about play-based therapy, like them smiling and being engaged and having that motivation <laughs> intrinsically there it really is a big game changer. Like we've all seen the language explode in those instances when they're so involved and motivated. Yeah. Yeah. And they like you. And if kids like you, <laughs> they do what you want them to do. And I don't mean that in like a controlling way, but that rapport is there. Right. So to I, 80% of my sessions, the kids don't want to leave. 
so because we're having so much fun and I lose track of time we always go over because it's really a meaningful and joyful experience for everybody that's involved so um, and on that note, I also get a ton of trials. So I know that a big hesitancy for people is like, well, how do I get 50 trials? I get about three to 500 trials in 45 minutes because the kids are so motivated. Literally I had a tea today in my session and we, she was working on snowman and she was like playing. And then she's like, like doing her own, he's snowman. He is this. And the mom was laughing. I'm like, I'll just sit back. And I was explaining to mom, like, this is when you set up the activity to have naturally a lot of opportunities for these targets. The child's just going to do it on their own because they know what to expect. There's no demands. It's not like do this, say this. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I do say like, wash my face and let's say it five times or, or whatnot, but it's very playful and very natural. So that's nothing. So trials. Also, I think it costs you less money in the long run. So when I was a new grad, <coughs> I needed all the things. I'm like, I need a book for past tense ED. I need a book for snow, for S blends, like a work, uh, worksheets and stuff. Cause that's how I was taught to do therapy. I need cards for this. So I was spending all this money and then I'd pull stuff out and be like, well, this doesn't actually apply to this kid because like the word snake for S blends, if he can't, is if he's also fronting, that's not going to work. So I ended up having a make my own stuff anyway but if you have the skills inside yourself to literally grab anything that you have in front of you and be able to provide therapy you don't need to buy all the things so I actually am the cheapest ever I'm like I'm everyone thinks that I buy all these toys I never buy toys because mm -hmm. I and I also often let my kids just pick what they want to do when they come in because I know that I can target it with whatever they pick yeah it's very freeing yeah, I, I, this makes me think like I'm so thankful that my clinical educator and my practicum was very play based because right off the bat, I was very much like, you know, classic grad student, like very structured session and everything. And after a few weeks, she's like, honestly, this just isn't going to work for you when you start working. Like, it's just you're taking up so much time, so much money, so much effort, and it's probably not even going to be that productive. And so she had me write down like five toys, Play-Doh, blocks a book or something like wear a spot or something like that. Um, and like, um, I don't know, puppets or something like that. And then she had goals like two-step directions, past NCD. And then she's like, check off what you can target and see maybe Play-Doh plot twist. You can target 25 goals with it. And that was like, I, my mind was blown. I was like, whoa. And then I've always had that in my mind. Cause I'm like, oh, well, I know that with Play-Doh, I can target a million things. So anything. I'm, yeah. yeah, literally. And then I remember my, um, when I first started working at speech meta, I was like to the owner, cause there's like, she has so many toys here. And oh, I was nice. like, I was like, well, how do you plan for sessions? Because what if someone else takes a toy? And she was like, oh, I like, I, I don't ever worry about that because I can just take any toy and make it work. Right. And I was like, goals. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's, but it's true though. Right. I mean, you don't have two hours to plan a half an hour session. Like no one's paying you for that. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that is good. That's really funny. I did not have clinical supervisors like that. My clinical supervisors were very worksheet, very say your word, take a turn. So I did not have play-based therapy sessions. Um, yeah, I think, I think talking to other grad students, my experience was rare. And so I'm thankful of that because I think it's more common to not necessarily maybe have that type of yeah. experience. Yeah, definitely. I also think that play-based therapy saves you time, like we were just saying, because you're not spending all this time prepping 
um, resources for each specific kid, you're not, yeah, you're not doing that. So it just makes it all easier because you can grab one item. When I was traveling between schools, I would grab one bin for the whole month and I'd have, like, I'm a theme therapist that I, that doesn't have to be for everyone. That's just how my brain works. So I would have like a snowman theme and have all my things in there and I would make everything work. I mean, there's always going to be an outlier too, where it's not going to work because they have, you know, specific things that they're working on that doesn't apply, but, but for the main, I mean, I think that there's, yeah, so there's a lot of benefits there. I don't know if I could go back and summarize them if I remember them off the top of my head, but um, there's a lot of benefits of play-based therapy. But I think the biggest one is that like for therapists, it saves you time and money and you get more trials with less effort. And for kids, they're going to generalize and have more fun. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. What are some myths? Do you hear some common things? You're like, no, false, wrong. Let's debunk the myths. (laughs) Yes, all the time. I think the biggest one is that you can't take data. Yeah, people don't know how to take data. Like, how are you going to take data? And I guess I don't I don't take data my entire session because I truly believe if you're taking data your entire session, you're not doing therapy. You're just testing. So there are different ways of taking data. We actually have a whole module in the course. It's 45 minutes and I go over all the things I go over. Like, if you want to take data every trial, how can you do that? If you want to take data different at the beginning at the end so I give lots of options because I don't believe there's one way to do anything in speech nothing is black and white and you have to find what works for you and even for each student maybe one student you're like "Mm, I really need to take data for every trial and then for other kids you don't so really I think it's a nice comprehensive overview of how you can take data so I think that that's the biggest one though yeah that um it's like music to probably a lot of therapist ears right now that there's an entire module on data because I Wow. I remember seeing your story. This was probably a year ago and you were talking about data and you were like, I don't take data because when I look back, when I've taken data and I look back, when I don't take data, I actually get, you know, enough to know the percentages they're accurate enough that you don't need to go trial by trial, by trial, by trial. That's really nice to just also learn to be able to trust your, that instinct when you're doing therapy like that, instead of constantly tracking the data, the whole session that gave me a little confidence boost as a new grad last year. Cause I was like, Oh, it's nice to hear someone who's been working in the field for so long, like say that they're not taking data every single trial during the entire session. Right. And I did at the beginning because I did, I do think it takes some practice. Like I'm not going to tell a grad student not to take data, right? Because you need to practice. But I also find though, because in my therapy personally, I'm always changing my cues. So what good is it if you're like a child was 20% accurate with no cues, like what a waste of a session. You should be constantly moving. And like, you know, when the child's struggling or when they're not struggling, like if you say four times in a row, like say snake and they can't do it, like you need to up your cues. You need to give them a visual cue or whatever. And if I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to chart, that doesn't work. Like, so my notes will often be like, child was 80% successful with moderate verbal and visual cues. That's what they needed to be at that. We should always be between 16, 80% in therapy. Like if you're at 95% at the end of your session, you should have dropped your cues or changed your goal. And if you're at 20%, you should have upped your goal. So, or upped your um, cueing. So yeah, that's why I don't take data because I'm, I'm too busy doing therapy and giving cues. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like two big myths are data and trials. Right. Trials. And then also I think the other thing, so it's, We did say like, you can grab anything, but I also think that one of the myths is that you have no idea what you're going to do. Like you just walk into a room, 
and you're all willy-nilly, that's not true either. I mean, you still make a plan, especially if you're new to play-based therapy. You still make a plan. You still have an idea. Like, I always know which words I'm going to target in an activity, right? Or have some sort of idea. Um, so that's another one, I think. Yeah. 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 I agree. Like you need to have knowledge of the child's goals and then how you're going to use that material to target the goals. It's not like you're just going in there and you're like, who knows? We're just going to play. Right. Right. Exactly. So I think like the big thing, and I think another one is like, you can't do evidence-based practice and play. Cause I get a ton of questions like, well, how do you treat apraxia and play? I'm like, but what makes something evidence-based practice? Is it the activity that you're doing? And I, and I don't think people like have a hard time wrapping their head around that. A worksheet is not evidence-based. I'm sorry. It's just not what's evidence-based is the targets that you pick, the therapy approach that you pick, the cues that you're giving. Those are the things that make it evidence-based. The trials, the number of trials, it's not like one worksheet is more evidence-based than another like that, or yes. one flashcard is more than another. So you can implement it. And I, I've got some hated discussions in my DMS about it. Um, yeah. But. Well, it's literally like minimal pairs, for example, it's like I could use a minimal pairs sheet that says Fox box, or I have a board game with a Fox and a box and I could play with the Fox and the right. box in the game that's play-based. Right. And the other one is, um, is using this sheet of paper. Right. drills and they're both evidence-based because it's minimal pair approach so it's like I, right. yeah yeah it's just how you take so I kind of like use the analogy that your activity whether it's drill or play is like the ship okay and it's just the ship that's delivering the goods of evidence-based practice that's kind of how I look at it and yeah. if you're going to get more trials and play and more motivation and more generalization I don't know. I mean, I'm clearly biased. So there might be SLPs listening here that are like, okay, Anna, but I, that's what I believe. Yeah. It works for me. So, yeah. and I think, okay. So another one is that you can't do play-based therapy in groups. Mm. So I'm not going to lie. I do think it's probably a little bit harder. It takes a little bit more planning, quite a bit more practice. I wouldn't probably jump in like my first that we talk about that in the course, like don't plan your first therapy session for your group that is the most difficult to manage and has the widest range of goals because you're going to hate play-based therapy, right? So start off with, well, we'll get into some tips later, but um, if you think about it, kids are designed to play in groups. That's how kids want to play. So what is more natural to kids than playing in a group? So you definitely can do it in groups. And I think it's really fun for kids. And it's all about kind of learning how to apply any goal into any activity and then you just work on those goals within the within yeah. the task for each student and you have a module on the course for playing groups right that's right and that's one of my modules so within the course kirsten and i don't do any modules together we kind of just split them up oh no we do the last one together um but yeah that's one of mine so i kind of go through different pretend activities that you can do kind of things to consider before different strategies that you can use. I really set it up more as like a structured thing in the course so that you can practice, 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 and then have less, you know, pre-planning like with anything, it takes practice, right? The next one that you need to spend thousands of dollars, which like, you know, I think people look at offices and like, you have so much stuff you don't like the beauty of play-based therapy is when you have that mindset you can take anything. You could take a pencil and a paper clip and a paper bag and have the best session ever. 
Yeah. One of my best yeah. sessions I've ever had was counting bracelets when the, like when bangles were in style. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and like I had this big session and we counted bracelets and we took them off and she put them back on my arm. And this was like 12 years ago. And, you know, so you don't need all the, I think social media makes us think we need all the things and it's fun to get new things, but you don't, you don't need to. Yeah. And yeah. we talk about using, we actually have a whole brand new module about playing without toys. It's an hour and a half. It's long. Ooh, I really, really went over. Yeah, and there's tons and there's about like people games and playing with things that aren't toys. And, you know, you don't, so I think there's over 50 or 60 ideas in there of things that you can do that don't involve any toys. No, literally zero dollars. Okay, that's so, amazing. I'm yeah. like, of course ever. We really, I think that, yeah. And so I think that that is, and that even deters, you know, when people would DM us, like, I don't have money to buy any resources when I'm done the course. And like the point of this course is so you don't have to spend money. Yeah. And yeah. you might see a couple of things that you like, cause I really find Kirsten very passionate. And when she talks about a toy, I really want, like she's coerced me to buy tons of toys, <laughs> you know, because I, but I haven't used them because I have so many, like, you know what I mean? Like you kind of get your yeah. favorites yeah. anyways. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So we've gone through the benefits, gone through the myths. You've already um, alluded to some tips. So could you share with us some tips before starting um, play-based therapy in our sessions? Yes. So I think the first tip that I would recommend is to start with an activity that you've, that you're pretty comfortable with, like an activity or a game that, you know, so you kind of already know what words are going to come up. You already know the plot of the story. You know how the game works. I wouldn't suggest like buying a brand new game that's super complicated and trying to do, cause you don't know what's going to come up. But you know, when you play sneaky, snacky squirrel, you know, there's going to be a ton of S blends in there. You know what they're going to be right? Or you play pop the pig, you know what words come up in that game. So that just helps you feel a little bit more confident. Um, the next tip would be to choose a student that would be receptive. So choose a student that's going to be patient with you if you need, you know, 15 seconds to regroup or think about what you're doing. Um, so kind of start with, uh, yeah, start with a student that's going to be receptive to it. Um, a third tip would be to choose a goal you're comfortable with. So I wouldn't choose a goal. I've ne- so like, just think of this. You choose a game you love with a target that you're used to targeting with a student that's super receptive, or you choose a brand new game with tons of steps and pieces with a goal that you're not comfortable with, with a student who runs away every time you try to play with them. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, pick your battles. I mean, you, you do you, but that would be like, you know, set yourself up for success. Like we set our students up. Um, and the last thing is start small. So you don't have to overnight become a play-based therapist. And I, you know, you don't have to switch up to throw out all your worksheets and flashcards, start small. I might be like, Hey, this week for all my students that are working on S, I don't know why I'm perseverating on S plans, but I feel like it's something we all work on. All my students working on S plans this week are going to play sneaky, snacky squirrel, and we're going to target it in play. It doesn't need to be like this huge shift. It can be if you wanted it to be, but you don't need it to be. So start small, give yourself grace like you would with your students. You wouldn't be like, oh, you're not talking yet. Let's work in eight, 10 word sentences, right? It's yeah. the same, same thing. Yeah, I like the idea of, um, it just feels manifold in my mind right now of like choosing a goal rather than right. a kid. You're like, for this goal, I'm gonna try that. I really like that idea. Um, yeah. Okay, 
So we've talked all about play-based therapy and now like, tell us about your course. I want to know about your course. What, what, what made you even like want to create this course? Uh, tell us like, what are some modules that are going to be on? And we've already covered some of the modules, but what can people learn? What can people gain from it? And like, what even, how did this even come about? Okay. So I have always wanted to launch a course. Like what that has always been my goal was to kind of connect with SLPs, kind of teach them how to make their lives easier. We're so overworked and spread so thin, right? So how can I do that? So that's always been a goal of mine for years. I don't know. And then it just never felt like the right time. I felt like there was always something else. It just, I just knew in my gut, something wasn't right. And this sounds so cheesy, but then I met Kirsten and it was like, this is what's been missing. Like I met her one time. And I said to her, I'm like, I have an idea. And she's like, I was actually going to talk to you about something too. And she also had the same idea. And honestly, Kirsten has been such a gift to me in my life. And also in this course, like it wouldn't be possible without both of us. So that's kind of how it started. So when we met and we connected, we decided that we were going to do it together. And it's, it's actually crazy considering we met one time and have, we've literally had no issues, knock on wood. Like none, we agree on everything like therapy based on like how to run the course, like all the things. So really, really good. We, our skills are, there's a lot of overlap, but also a lot of, we have very different skills, which makes things run very smoothly for us. So, yeah. So that's kind of how the course came about. Okay. And so what are some modules on the course? So, okay. So I know like certain things, oh. like certain things. Um, when I heard you say group, um, group play, I'm like, oh my God. Yes. And I know when I asked, um, <laughs> cause I have some groups and let me tell you, I could have some, I could really, really learn more. Um, and I posted yesterday and a lot of people were like, we want to know more about group because I think that's just harder. And you've already alluded to that. It's just harder. And then the other thing that I'm like music to my ears, um, is a whole hour or an hour and a half on no toys. So what else can people expect yeah. from the modules? So in the first module, we talk about what is play-based therapy. We give lots of tips on how to get buy-in from parents, teachers. So we dive into that because that can be an obstacle, especially with older kids where they're expecting more uh, drill-based kind of therapy. So, and then we give the handouts to support like how to interview a parent to get them to go in all the benefits of play-based therapy that are research-based. So we kind of dive into that and to give, I think, the therapists to a great understanding of what it is and confidence to talk about it to other people. Uh, the second module is playing in teletherapy. So as we know, that was a huge <laughs> 2020 really threw us for a loop there. So I played, I didn't change anything that I did face-to-face -to, -face to teletherapy. I did the exact same things in teletherapy that I would do in person. So we, so Kirsten does that module and she talks about different activities, different toys that you can use to keep kids engaged through the screen. Uh, module three is really helpful. And I think that that kind of sets the foundation for the rest of the course. It's how to see anything as a therapy tool. So Kirsten talks about different things to look at for when buying a resource. Like what kind of things you look at so you're not wasting your money on something that you're only going to use once or twice. She even takes you into the store in her mind and talks about like, this is why I would buy this, or this is why I wouldn't buy this. And she takes you through all the aisles of the store. And so it's really kind of, it was neat. It was fun to watch when I watched hers. Uh, number four is probably my favorite and my, my favorite module that I did um, was targeting speed sounds and play. So speed sounds are my jam. I love it. That's my favorite. I know that that's not what I really talk about on social media the most, but that is my favorite thing to treat. Um, 
So giving really practical ideas without a lot of like fluff. It's just like, these are the things that you can do. Seven tips, seven, I think it's seven tips for eliciting your target words in play, how to set up your activities. We give tons of lists of words that you can target for each sound in activities. Our favorite activity for sound. So like baking for cake, because we have like cake cookies. So we give lots of, so all the modules come with tons of supplemental resources. I need a breath. That was only four modules. <laughs> How many are there? 11. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 11? No, 13. I haven't updated the website. I was reading them off the website. 13, I need to add that. Okay, sorry. So 13 modules. There were 11 in the first launch and now there will be 13. And then three bonus modules. <laughs> okay, so anyone who's taken it, there's extra modules. There's extra modules. That's right. So um, I'll get to those in a minute. So Number five is 10 easy ways to use play in therapy. So this was one of my modules where I talk about 10 simple play routines that you can target a ton of goals uh, that you can use in any, like really there, everything comes back to these 10 activities. I felt like, like one of them is putting animals to sleep because it's just, some, or putting something to sleep. It's just such an easy play routine. And I think adults have a hard time playing, right? So this is just gives and parents, it just gives them an easy way to start playing. If you like, you know, you're playing and you're like, I don't know what to do next. Cause like, we're not three. Right. So yeah, it just gives you ideas. And then six is taking data. That's one of my modules. Number seven is how to use one toy for multiple goals. Kirsten does mock sessions within this with seven popular types of toys. So there's like opening toys, little people, puzzles, I think. Um, so there's seven of them and she dives really deep on all the goals you can target, how to target them. She really puts herself out there because she like does a mock session with the screen. I was like, I'm not doing that. So if you want to do that, that's amazing. <laughs> I was going to do four and she was going to do three. And then I was like, I'm not doing that. So have fun. I'll do the data. Yeah, that was okay. Anyways, uh, play with older students, which is really a great module I think like up to grade two three just gives you ideas of how you can play with those kids play therapy in groups play therapy and early intervention so we talk about early intervention strategies this seems to be a big question mark for a lot of speech pathologists uh, really an area that they're not confident in so like a nice overview of activities what to do to build joint attention work on turn-taking was pre-linguistic um, skills and then module 11 is putting it all together so we go through and do like case studies and examples and like we have, so in this course, we have like data sheets, we have session notes, we have parent notes. So at the end, we kind of put it all together and show you, you know, kind of like what grad school was missing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all these courses, but then we like actually put it all together, what this could actually look like. Music and then module 12, because it's new, we will make module 11, module 13, but it was kind of awkward this time. So then module 12 is going to be playing without toys where we talk a little bit more. So we got feedback from our original members asking for more ideas for working with those early intervention kids, more ideas for the older kids. So this kind of encompasses it all. So in that module, I talk about very in depth, how to set up people games and different ideas for people games. Um, we talk about kids who aren't ready to play with toys. What do we do? So like literally every step of setting up a people game it's this workbook is 30 pages just for this module it's very long um but there's lots and there's like different so then I talk about like the different sensory needs that your student might have and people games that will apply to that um then we talk about older students so I have 25 different activities 
So for example, one is um, like a magic carpet game. So the idea is the magic carpet will take you wherever you want. The students have to go on it and then they work together to answer questions or whatever and give you lots of ideas of what to do. And then just how to use some simple household items. So yeah, so that's a new module and I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be, um, I think it's a good one. And then the last one is themes and play-based therapy. So I think that's kind of a myth too, that you can't do theme therapy and play, but I think you can, because if you just bring a bunch of themed stuff that's related and then you play, yeah. I, it doesn't have to be complicated. Let's just put it that way. Right. Yeah. So Kirsten dives deep into that. And then she really goes into a lot of organization because that was a lot of questions. Yeah. Like, how do you organize these things? And then lastly, and then I'm going to need a breath. Holy moly. Um, we have bonus modules. So we have a movement, how to use movement in therapy. I think that's 40 minutes, how to use sensory bins and how to use mini objects. So those were voted on by the founding members. And then they're like our bonus modules. Okay. So it's like, it's for, it's, so you get 11 hours of like a certificate for 11 hours, but because some of the stuff isn't as speechy, um, like the organization and things like that, it'll be 11 hours for, um, like, a, like clinical PD or professional yeah. development. So yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. Thank you for a couple things. Just that. discuss a couple things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> my last question that I think people might want to know, because I'm always wondering this about like courses and everything, just um just to make it clear for everyone to try to reduce questions. Um <laughs> is it so self-paced? Is it gonna be there forever? Does it go away? How does that work? Just maybe some quick uh, common questions you're getting. Just just can quickly answer them for people because this is gonna come out Monday. This podcast will be released Monday and it, the course is coming out on the next day. So the next day. Yeah. yeah, so how long is it available to get and all that? Okay, so this launch is February 1st. So from date of purchase till February 1st. So about eight to nine weeks. The reason that we made the time limited is because we actually did a lot of research when we made this decision. It wasn't something that we took lightly. And research has shown that if there's a time limit on a course, people are more likely to finish it. And we saw that because the average online course has a five to 15% completion rate. And we had an 87% completion rate, which blew my mind. So that just showed me that people really wanted to hear what we were saying um, and get their hours. So, and we also noticed a huge uptick those last three days that the course was available, people went and finished it. So we, the, this course isn't meant to be like do two modules. It's meant to be taken as a whole and we want people to finish it. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, if I available forever, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. Blah, 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 blah. So that's why it's available for um, a limited time. We just, and, and we also want to be able to support everybody. So the first launch, we had 1400 members. So, you know, if, if 20 people or 30 people are emailing us a day, we want, we are the only two doing all of this. So we want to be able to answer you and we just can't spread ourselves that thin to have, like to try to support, to support everybody to the way that we want you to provide quality. So that's why, um, what was the other question you asked? How long is um, it okay, So oh, self-paced. Yeah. Self-paced. So as soon as you purchase the course, you're able to access it immediately. Um, all the content will be available to you. There's also a live Q and a that we do Kirsten and I will do so that will be available at the <laughs> it's live so it hasn't happened but yeah so then you can watch it all in your voice some people have done it all in one day some people do it over their lunch break some people do it on the weekends it really kind of depends on on what they've got going on okay okay and then um CEUs 
Yes. So it's funny to me. You're not ASHA certified, are you? I'm going to be. Oh, are you? Oh, okay. Because yeah. because now Canadians take the ASHA exam, not the, there's no Canadian exam. It's like a disaster, but yeah. Oh, I've heard that now for me, I could just get grandfathered in. Because even though I took like, well, I, anyways, we can talk about the irrelevant tour. <laughs> Here we go on our tangent. Off on a huge <laughs> tangent. So, but what was, what's interesting to me is that a lot of ASHA SLPs don't realize they don't need CEUs. They need CMH. They need clinical maintenance hours. So clinical maintenance hours can be like converted into CEUs. Yeah. And it's so very interesting. Clinical maintenance hour. Okay. So that's a good, I don't know that I can tell you that. Hold on a second. Um, there's a great article by Natalie Snyder's um, that I send everybody when they ask me, because this is probably one of the most common questions that we get. I'll put that um, in the link of the description. Yes. Oh, of course I can't find it now. Oh, okay. well, that's okay. I'll put it in the link of the description and people can click okay. on it if they're wanting yes. to. Yeah. So essentially when you get CEUs, my understanding is, is that the prov course provider sub like submits it for you. We don't submit anything. So you get a certificate, you write your name on it. If you get audited, we will verify your attendance because we can see how much people have done of the course and we can see their, uh, we have quizzes in the course. Oh, okay. I love quizzes yeah. and courses because it makes me actually focus. <laughs> That's right. So here, so yeah, you don't need 30 CEUs. You need 30 CMHs. So CEUs are one type of CMH. Okay. Oh, that's really good yeah. to know. Yeah. I think, and it's blown a lot of people's minds because you can use any course. You don't have to use a CEU course and I, and their CEU courses are typically more expensive. So, okay. Okay. That's really good to know. So the early bird, which is, so if you're listening to this on Monday, that's great. You can still get the early bird rate, which is 247 US on Tuesday and Wednesday, December 7th and 8th. And then the course goes to 297, the 9th to the 14th. If you're a returning course member, if you log into the course, you get it for 107 US dollars. So you're only paying for the two new modules and the handouts for that. So pretty reasonable. We did a lot of research on average, each CE, each hour that you can use, like for CMH is between 40 and $65 for speech. So it would be between like 450, 650, and we have it at 297. So okay. we tried to keep the price low. Okay. All right. Well, I hope everyone's feeling like as excited as I am. I think this is such an exciting course and it's such a great opportunity to support two female business owners. It's just nice to see. Okay. It is. You no, know, the support is really nice and it's nice to support other SLPs that are pursuing, uh, you know, their dreams and goals. And it's, it's a really nice community that we have. So, and of course we appreciate every like, if you, if you want to take the course, like, share, comment, anything, anything like that. So, and of course, Shannon, if anybody wants to take the course, they can reach out to you as well. And you can answer any questions. Sometimes I think people feel awkward asking the person. I'll add a link in the bio. So Anna, where can everyone find you? Everyone who listens to me probably already follows you, but just in case. <laughs> um, Anna DSLP on Instagram, www.annadslp.com for lots of blogs. I just wrote one today about apraxia, lots of resources there, which was really fun. And Facebook, Anna DSLP. And if you want to email me, Anna at AnnaDSLP.com. I can see why everyone calls me Anna DSLP. And it just has a nice ring to it. I just love it. 
it's funny because it was like just something I like just decided like I didn't even think about it and I'm glad I like it still because yeah I mean that could be bad if you really picked a name that you didn't like and you had to rebrand three years in yeah that would be pretty upsetting um and also check out Anna's teachers pay teachers page because oh yeah I'm absolutely obsessed with her product oh yeah that too <laughs> she has a lot going on she forgot about that one but make sure you check out her teachers pay teachers I'm obsessed with her products I post them on my stories all the time people are always like where did you get that and I'm always like at teachers pay teachers I thought that was all awesome. <laughs> it's like what but anyways so go to her teachers pay teachers page for sure and um subscribe to her email list because I just think it's the best thing ever so oh well thank you very much yeah when they get sent and don't get lost in La La Land last year or last week they got sent to four people well four when you lose them four anyways yeah those four people are very special anyways (laughs) no kidding Well, thank you so much for coming on, Anna. I always love having you on and you were like my most popular podcast of 2020. I'm pretty sure people love hearing from you. Yeah, you're popular. You're a popular lady in the SLP community. Well, well, maybe someone could talk to someone in my house because they give zero craps what I have to say. So no one in my actual life cares what I have to say about anything. You tell them that you're big on the SLP Corner podcast, okay? Okay. Well, I don't know if her if her sons and husband are gonna care about the SLB Corner podcast. But anyways, everyone make sure you go sign up for the course, check out her teachers pay teachers page, and um yeah, let us know um if you have questions. Oh, and the play-based speech therapy course on Instagram. Yes, yeah, yes. you can kind of look at the handouts and there's yeah. lots of reviews there and lots of different, like even lots of people share their like takeaways or therapy ideas. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'll have everything in the description of my bio and then um, yeah, Anna and Kirsten, because since you're just coming on, it's the two of you together, but check out the Playbiz Speech Therapy course, Kirsten's Instagram, I can add that in. And then also Anna's Instagram. So we're going to have a very big bio description for this podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, okay, Anna. Right well, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'll see everybody next Monday.